Hello, Nath. Hello, mate. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right, boy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of We Need to Talk About the Movies podcast. And tonight, we need to talk about the 2019 Taika Waititi-directed World War II black comedy, Jojo Rabbit, which I'm quite excited to talk about. How about you, Nath? Yeah. I am quite excited. Well, I'm more than excited to talk about it. I've, um, I mean, people might have guessed if they've listened to previous ones that you're the person that watched the making of and the special features and sort of I just turn up and someone to talk to. But, uh, you know, this time around, I've actually bothered to sort of watch a few other bits and pieces, a half hour behind the scenes and uh, bloopers. And it really, yeah, this film really spoke to me, I think. Yeah, it is a great film, isn't it? fantastic film anyone who hasn't seen the film we are going to spoil it um so i'd really recommend you go and watch it and then come back and listen to this but do go and watch it and then do come back and listen <laughs> but it is it is really worth a view and it definitely i you know what i can't believe that i didn't even know this film existed did you not yeah i was quite excited to watch this one because i quite like taika waititi um, out of all the Marvel films, my favourite Marvel film was, or one of my favourites, was Thor Ragnarok, which he directed and also plays a role in it, doesn't he? The, um, yeah, he plays Quark, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, which is one of the best characters in the film, isn't it? Yeah, he's brilliant. Absolutely amazing. And um, I loved What We Do in the Shadows, which was almost what we talked about, wasn't it? We was going to talk about that one. Yeah, yeah. See, that's again, that's a film that, until you told me about it, I didn't realise existed. I watched um, Hunt, Hunt for, for the, the World, World of People. People. Yeah, I watched, I don't know, if, I can't remember now if I watched it off my own back and then we spoke about it or... But that's great as well, isn't it? He is a great director, real zany, nonsensical comedy. He says in that documentary that you've probably watched the same one, the world needs ridiculous films because the world is ridiculous. Yes, yeah, I did watch that, yeah. <laughs> and this film, it is a ridiculous story, but at the same time, it is it's absolutely stunning. Phenomenal film. But uh, before we get on to that, do you know what, Nathan? Go on, Trevor. I'm going to ask you a question. You are? Yeah. You might expect it to be, have you watched any films this week? That was what I was expecting it to be. Yeah, that's what it is as well. <laughs> See, I actually I actually did watch a film and I actually I've got it up ready to answer. Ready that question. to go. And then oh, I, go on then. I thought you were gonna uh ask a different one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh in answer to the question, uh yes I have. Yeah. And um it was only last night that I watched it actually, and it was recommended to me by my dad. Yeah. And I never quite fathom his sense of humour. I never, although sort of we get on and we laugh together, I never quite get or grasp of what he is or isn't going to find funny in a film. Yeah. I really wasn't expecting him to laugh as much as he did at uh, Team America. Right. <laughs> and um, he told me about a film called Just Before I Go, which is a 2014 film okay, starring Sean William Scott. He thought it was really hilarious, and I was just like, right, okay. And then when I started watching it and I sort of looked up the premise of the film, I was just like, eh. I mean, it's directed by uh, Courtney Cox, so... Oh, out of Friends? Yeah. All right, I didn't know she'd done directing. Apparently she does. 
basically the main premise is the character his life falls apart he's got a missus she leaves him and he just feels like right what's the point in me being here i'm gonna end it but before i do i want to go and right some wrongs just before i go yeah you know there's a moral moral esque sort of thing going on but there's all sorts of ridiculousness in it like um his brother's wife sleep masturbates and these are the bits which when i'm watching it i'm thinking did my dad really find this funny right (laughs) i i can't imagine him finding this funny and then i found the film all the more amusing because uh i'm laughing at the the fact that your dad's watched it yeah and he thought it was hilarious yeah so whatever but it's Nothing amazing, nothing to shout home about, but um, yeah, I watched it, made me chuckle. How about you, mate? Have you watched any films? I haven't actually watched a feature film this week, oh. other than the one we're doing tonight, but I did watch, uh, I was on Amazon Prime, and there's a documentary all about the making of The Shining called Room 237, or well, it's not about the making of The Shining, it's, it's about The Shining, about other people's interpretations of it but i've seen it before and i thought oh i might watch that again and i clicked into it and it opened up a pandora's box of film related documentaries which i hadn't seen so i ended up not watching that but watching qt8 which is about quentin tarantino's first eight movies from reservoir dogs up to um the hateful eight yeah so i just watched that documentary um i know i've said in the past i'm not keen on tarantino it's not that i'm not keen on him his films i like his films but him talking sometimes frustrates me but this documentary is great because he wasn't actually in it talking it was other people talking about him oh good (laughs) but no i mean the bloke is whether you like him or not he's just a raw talent isn't he summit to behold really and um I sort of watched it up to the point where they started to talk about The Hateful Eight because I, I have The Hateful Eight on Blu-ray, but I haven't watched it yet. So that's what I watched. But also, Nath, because I didn't know if you'd have had a, watched a film, I threw it out there to our listeners on, well, the ones on Facebook. I just put a post up about an hour before we come on asking if anyone's watched any films recently. And we had some comments. Some people have commented Keith Chapman come in first with Into the Wild, beautifully shot, showcasing some of the American wilderness based on an ill-fated true story. Have you seen Into the Wild, Nath? I have seen Into the Wild, yes. It's the Sean Penn film, isn't it, about the uh, lad who goes off into Alaska in the wilderness? Yeah. He comes from quite a high-end sort of life, doesn't he, and just leaves everything behind. Doesn't he, like, give away all his money? And Yeah, it's quite a tragic... Um story like for the obvious reason when you watch it that in the end you know he doesn't make it oh spoiler but it's um i think the 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 scene where like he's suddenly he's in the bus and he suddenly discovers that you know what's the point in all this adventure and all these freedoms if you've got no one to share it with and it's just like boom but you know, you can look at it as it being quite a sad film, but then you can look at the people that he met and the adventures that he had, you know. Exactly. It's done in a way that you sort of, you get his philosophy, but ultimately doesn't pay off for him, does it, you know? No. And I think in the book as well, I've read the book as well, and I think that, even more so in that, because there's people's point of views who are a lot more sort of critical of him. Yeah, yeah. 
And one of them in particular says, look, you know, he would neglect maps. He said he didn't need maps. He was his own sort of adventurer looking for his own adventure. And they said if he had a, had a map, he would have known that there was shelter nearby and also like a bridge, I think, to get over the river. Right. Which explains how the bus would have got there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, good film, uh, Keith Chapman. Um, then we had Simon Viles. Now you could tell by these two select suggestions, I think, where this audience is coming from. We do have a hiking channel on YouTube. <laughs> and Simon Viles recommends The Way, starring Martin Sheen and directed by Emilio Estevez. Yeah, I've seen this. See, I haven't. I've got this one. There's another one on my shelf that I haven't watched yet. So it's it's in the list of films that I'm drawing at random. Cool. So I do look forward to watching this. But Martin Sheen plays a father who heads overseas to recover the body of his estranged son who died while traveling the El Camino de Santiago. Decides to finish what his son started taking his ashes on his pilgrimage. Simon says, again, the scenery is spectacular and the human interest is moving when he meets people on the way. And then Ollie Parry Jones has just got in there just in time, 13 minutes ago. The Fourth Kind on Netflix. Definitely a film, despite its own claims to be factual. Some disturbing, disturbing scenes, not one to watch before bed. But you wouldn't be missing much if you fell asleep for it. Sumerian references almost made one scene interesting. Have you seen The Fourth Kind? No, and I've got to be honest, after listening to that, I probably won't. It's like aliens, isn't it? Abducting people. And it makes out it's a true story. And it has, like, the actors. And then it cuts to actual footage. I, I thought it was really interesting when it first came out. But it hasn't aged very well, I must admit. And I also remember everyone wakes up at 3.33 in that film. That's when it all happens. Yeah. And I remember we watched it with some friends. And uh, that night I sort of stirred and I woke up and I laid on my back and then Donna said, next to me, she said, are you awake? And I said, yeah. She said, I just woke up too. Don't look at the clock. <laughs> <laughs> and we looked at, the, looked at the clock and it was 3.33 and we are like, what the fuck? <laughs> Weird. But true story. So, yeah, that was the films you guys have watched. So thanks for that. We'll do that again next week. I'll put up another post if I remember. Um, if not, you can just feel free to message us on the Facebook page, facebook.com. We need to talk about movies podcast or Instagram, instagram.com. We need to talk about movies podcast. Uh, and oh, sorry, there was one more comment. Uh, Ingrid Laura Fox Fife, right? She must have listened to our science fiction chit chat, Naif, because she said, I love the BBC series of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as well. I watched it over and over again in my youth. And just like you guys, I was immensely offended by the film. Right. Wasn't we all? Anyway, so we've got stuff out of the way, Naif. Cool. Time for some things. So, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, I want it though. So, this is the second war movie we've done. What was the first one? Actually, oh no, it's the second comedy war movie we've done. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starling. Death of Death Starling. Death of Starling. It's the second Scarlett O'Hanson film. Which was the first one? The Man Who Wasn't There. Oh, God, yeah. Young Scarlet. And it's the second film to feature Hitler that we've done. Think about it. Think about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The Man Who Killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot. Yeah. Fortunately, no Bigfoots in this one. No. So, Jojo Rabbit. 
is a film all about what's his name jojo betzler yeah and he is a young boy a 10 year old boy in nazi germany towards the end of the war and he is being recruited to become hitler youth so it's quite a horrifying part of history the hitler youth children were persuaded to like snitch on their parents absolutely frightening really isn't it to think that they would be that sort of convinced by the regime to sort of you know if they were suspicious of their parents or their family or friends to grass them up yeah it's a very strong it's a very fine balance between you know telling uh, a story about this mortifying period in history and trying to make a comedy it's uh and it isn't just a comedy it is a balls to the wall fucking it is a mad comedy isn't it it's like <laughs> it's absolutely crazy because jojo betzler has an imaginary friend his imaginary friend is adolf hitler played by taika waititi the director again giving himself a really good role possibly one of the best roles in the film just hilarious he plays him as a complete dick doesn't he? yeah but it's just, it's just so great uh you know he just really i couldn't imagine anyone else playing the role you know what i mean just his uh hail me man <laughs> <laughs> it's from the go from the word go it's just great isn't it and i think you get you see the boy dressing up in his hitler suit and it's all real close up like tooling up shots isn't it you know yeah, it's yeah, him yeah. getting in his uniform and then you see Adolf look over his shoulder and in- instantly you got this interaction. He's and- just trying to pump him up, isn't he? He's, he's going to a Hitler Youth Weekend, isn't he? Which is That's it, yeah. And they, yeah. they make it out like it's some sort of camp, you know what I mean, where they're all going to have loads of fun and, you know, it's all going to be great. And uh, Hitler's uh, imaginary Hitler is, is getting um, Jojo totally pumped and amped for going. And then uh, it gives him this, uh, you know, he's like hail me and like he says hail hitler and he's like that, that's not hailing me and he just gets him to sort of <laughs> scream it until they're shouting at each other and then like he runs off down the street in his hitler youth uniform and it's almost like a billy elliott type scene where he's skipping down the street hail hitler and everyone that he passed oh, but what was great about it is that in that scene he leaves his house and then it's i want to hold your hand by the beatles isn't yeah, it? yeah 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 and it, it is a complete sort of reflection of Beatles mania yeah. and you see all the youth going mad for Hitler and it's all actual footage of the Hitler youth isn't it you know from the war Hitler being paraded around and all these kids going to see him at all these venues and seeing him off airplanes and stuff just like you know Americans and British did with Beatles the Beatles you know it was that same kind of hysteria yeah it was brilliant that just really well that done opening scene was just perfect it was sheer genius the way they got it nailed down and it was from that moment on i was just like oh my god i'm really going to enjoy this it just yeah yeah the level of detail and and thought that they'd gone through i mean whoever came up with the idea like oh my god we need to make this like beatlemania it was just just well it's perfect you know so it's just really sort of quick paced editing as well isn't it and just throws you right in there and it is crazy with the Hitler youth and, you know, to be that sort of fanatic and to get them whipped up in a frenzy such as that. Um, I remember seeing something before they have, they had like Hitler book, Hitler youth handbooks. 
And one of the full-page adverts in the Hitler Youth Handbook was Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola sponsored Hitler Youth. That's nuts. It's crazy, isn't it? I think the sort of... The opening sequence, the Beatlemania-esque sort of sequence uh, in the titles, sort of does go a long way to, without words, explaining how come Jojo Betzler is so obsessed with Hitler that he's chosen Hitler for his imaginary friend, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, he is completely, completely under the spell. And everything he's doing, he wants to impress Hitler. He wants to, you know... He wants to be a good little Nazi, good little German soldier. He, he wants to be part of Hitler's personal guard, personal bodyguard, doesn't he? Yeah, but it doesn't take long before we find out that he's actually, he's not that cold-hearted. You know, when they test him to, to get him to kill the rabbit, and they give him the rabbit, and his face just lights up. He's like, oh, <laughs> starts stroking it instantly. And they're like, kill it. And he's like, his looks horrified. The little boy... um, Roman Griffin Davis, who plays Jojo. Right, yeah. It's absolutely spellbinding, isn't he, in this film? Yeah. Just such a great performance from a young boy. He's got everything spot on. The comedy, the emotion, you know, that such a good range for such a young actor to carry the film. And he does carry the film. Except for when Taika Waititi steals the scenes from him. (laughs) But he never does, though, does he? He never does steal the scenes. You feel like they're part of the same thing. It's great. They they interact so well together. And I think if they didn't, they must have... I'm sure that it was just one of those magical movie moments where they started working together and it was just a hit from the start. But if that relationship between them hadn't worked, the film would have fallen flat on its face. Oh, it it would have, yeah. Yeah. Also, he's got his friend... um, Yorkie. Now, this guy, for me, was possibly my favourite character in the whole film. <laughs> some some yeah. of his lines were just brilliant. I need to watch it again just for that kid. Yeah, he was. I did feel he was the only one who let the accent down. I'd, yeah. <laughs> he had a an English accent and he's sort of trying to do the German, but it kept slipping. And I, it's a small thing to notice, but it, I, I did notice that. I, I don't think it mattered. You know, I just think he was just such a brilliant, the way he was just so, um, I don't know. Like he's so, he's obviously more, um, I don't know how to explain what I'm getting at because he doesn't seem to have the problems that Jojo has, but he still seems like quite a sensible, soft, kind-hearted lad. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, but they are just children, aren't they? Yeah. And he's thinking they're more than they are, grown up than they are. But Yeah. But he's... Uh, he's, he's like you say, he's not got the sort of the, the depth of emotion and the turmoil, the inner turmoil, has he? No. He's very much matter of fact and just deals with what's in front of him. But, oh, yeah, I just thought he was brilliant. Loved that kid. Yeah, and it's a great relationship between them two, isn't it? And when Jojo is telling him that he's going to get into the Hitler guards and he says, I will be Hitler's best friend. I thought, I was your best friend. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, you're my second best friend unless you're unless you're Hitler in a in small a fat, fat boy's fat body. Boy's body. <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm just a fat boy in a fat boy's body. <laughs> <laughs> and then in, also in the opening scenes, we meet Sam Rockwell as Captain K and his sidekick 
Finkel, who, you know, you get the idea straight away that he's a bit despondent in the forces. He's yeah. been demoted. He says later on that he's been demoted for negligence. He's lost an eye. And now he's drawn the short straw where he has to train children how to become Nazis. Yeah, and I love his uh, his sort of rock star style introduction when he's up on stage. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> all of the little pieces of this film like that, where they where they come together, are just brilliant. And where he's like, he's got that gun, he's like, could a, could a, one eye, could a man with two eyes do this? And he's like shooting with that rifle and he's uh, in the gun and he's just like... All the different quick shots of him in different poses. And <laughs> Yeah, 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 it's just brilliant. But yeah, as introductions go, this first 10 minutes is just... It's just riotous, isn't it? And then you're watching the kids training and they're all throwing the knives at the tree and Yorkie throws a knife at the tree and it bounces off the tree and stabs his little mate in the <laughs> leg. <laughs> and then Jojo, after he's almost beaten up and he runs off and Hitler's saying, don't, you know, don't run off. Prove to them you're, you're the man. So he runs back over as Sam Rockwell's showing him how to throw grenades and he just snatches the grenade off of Sam Rockwell, runs pulls the thing, throws it, it, again, it hits a tree and lands next to him. And then <laughs> there's just a shot of it blowing up and just throwing him back. <laughs> it's all just perfect comedy timing, isn't it? It's just great. Um, but then it cuts to, like, Hitler running over and fainting. <laughs> it's all from his point of view and it's all blurred, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's being pushed through the hospital and Hitler's running behind him. And he's like, are you okay, Jojo? And then... Jojo puts his hand on it's just covered in blood, <laughs> like this thumbs up. And instantly, Hitler's face is like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Sam Rockwell says, his mother's going to kill me. Uh, which is then when we first meet Rosie, who's Scarlett O'Hanson, yeah. playing uh, Jojo's mother. And uh, her character's just incredible in this, isn't it? Real... You know, a real strong woman, isn't she? Yeah. And she's got so much on her plate. She's got a, a husband who is out there somewhere. We're not quite sure where he is. We think he's at war. She's got her son who she wants to bring up with the right morals and the right view on life. Her view on life, you get to know pretty soon, isn't in favour of the war. She she thinks the war's ridiculous. Yeah. She's you, watching you, her son go through all this transformation. You get the feeling that she's sort of, um, she's trapped because as you say, like about the, the kids being trained to snitch on their parents and she's treading this tightrope between um, trying to raise her son with the right morals, but she doesn't want to push him too far because she can see that he's so obsessed with the idea of Nazi Germany that yeah. she's also a little bit afraid of what he might do. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. yeah, like you say, the, a woman with so much on her plate, but still trying to be positive and upbeat about everything. Yeah, and strong. And I think the scene, then she goes to meet uh, Captain K and she just sort of knees him, doesn't she? And slaps yeah. him and like, you was looking after my son and look at him. And you get the idea that they know each other. And it's like a, there's a community there, isn't there? You know, yeah. whether they were friends before the war, you know, you don't, you get the idea that there's some sort of community history there, don't you? Yeah. Actually, like, it's, it's set in Berlin. I don't think it's filmed in Berlin, is it? But, um, no, I think it's filmed in the Czech Republic, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. But I like the way it looks so sort of colourful and bright. It's not like most war films. Is it? You don't look at it and think war torn Germany. 
you know, and her clothes are just so sort of bright and colourful. Vibrant. Yeah, and their house looks warm and homely and, you know, real colourful patterns on the walls and it's like a friendly sort of town. And this, it's like a colourful comedy film that you're watching. And it isn't until she's leaving Captain K's office and they walk past all the, the bodies hung in the streets that you realise, oh, this isn't just a comedy. You know, that's the first shot that sort of takes you out of the comedy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's Where a, she's like, it's makes Jojo look. It's a, it's a proper slap in the face as well, isn't it? It's not just like a little hint. It's just yeah. like, wow, like, you know, like four or five people hung dead in the middle of the street. And he says, what, what, what did they do? And she said, all that they could. That one scene sort of closes the entire opening act, really, doesn't it? It's introduced everything. You've had the comedy introduction to all these funny colourful characters you've met the mother you've got the grip of that relationship between her and her son and then this one moment stark harrowing and it's that whole tone of the whole film has been set up in that first act it's just fantastic really good filmmaking and then from here on in it's it sort of takes you through the motions from being hilarious to being sort of tragic and really emotional in times you know so the main story line hasn't even been mentioned at this point has it it's not until he's at home he's gone out giving out was he giving out conscription forms wasn't he yeah and then sticking up flyers and stuff all over town isn't he that, and... <laughs> yeah, that's right with hitler where he rubs it on the wall yeah and the face it's... changes <laughs> what a great Great little effect, isn't it? It's just like a disgruntled Hitler face, and then it's like he's being tickled almost, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> There's so, so many wonderful little details in the film. And the soundtrack, it's like a real contemporary soundtrack over the top, as well as the score. But, um, yeah, they've used sort of modern modern music, and it's just, it fits, doesn't it? It doesn't take you out of no, that. No, the thing is, is the whole film uh, and like the way the characters talk and interact with each other has got a modern feel to it, which makes it so much easier viewing almost, doesn't it? But like you say, it doesn't take away, you, you don't forget that it's set in Nazi Germany. You don't forget it's set during the war. It doesn't take away from that in any way. It's very yeah. cleverly done, isn't it? Um, and then when jo- Jojo gets home then, and then we meet, you know, the, the main story, he's like calling for his mum and he hears a noise upstairs, doesn't he? He goes into his sister's room and his sister's passed away. And um, he realises that there's, like a scratch on the floor, you know, and then he realises that the panel in the wall is a door and he prizes it open. And this scene is just shot like a horror film, isn't it? When he goes in, in the shadows, the camera pans and you see a foot and then it pans up and there's a little girl's face and he just screams and he runs out there crawling backwards. Then he runs downstairs, he collapses downstairs, you see her fingers walking down the banisters. It's just that that bit was brilliant, I thought. Because <laughs> it was it was just like long enough for you to start thinking, Oh my god, is there this arm gonna go on forever? It was really <laughs> creepy, wasn't it? You know yeah, what I mean? Was. But yeah, it's it's his horror come true because there is a Jew hidden behind his walls. Um so obviously it's the biggest dilemma. Why is there a Jew in his wall? 
And then he, the realisation that his mother is helping this little Jewish girl. And he's sort of adamant that this isn't going to happen in his house. But she yeah. completely takes control of him, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the word go. And the, Steals his knife. The, yeah, the, the brilliant interaction between Jojo and, and Adolf when he's uh, explaining that she's she's got his knife and sort of what you're going to do about it. And then uh, he goes and confronts her again, doesn't he? With a kitchen knife. And then he loses another knife. And, and Hitler's like, <laughs> what are you going to do? Just keep giving her knives? <laughs> and then when her mum comes, his mum comes home and she's like going to make tea. And she's like, where are all the knives? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the main crux of this story from here on in is basically Jojo's turmoil with having this little Jewish girl, uh, what's her name? Elsa, is it? Yeah, Elsa. Yeah. Elsa in his house. Played by... Thomasin McKenzie. Thomasin McKenzie. Uh, another great performance. She's a bit older than Jojo, but instantly she makes it clear what would happen if he told on her. And she's constantly toying with his own perception of the Jews and uses it to her advantage, making out that she's much more sort of frightening than she is isn't yeah it? yeah and no, i think that's a, a brilliant sort of uh way for the interaction to play out isn't it you know because it's hard to imagine what it would be like living every day in a tiny little uh hidden cupboard in in someone's roof you know and yeah and you know not just the obvious like food warmth uh being able to stand up stretch out exercise but, but the the tricks it's going to play on your mind because it's not like they can just sit there and play on their phones or, or what, you know, things that kids would do these days and probably be quite content to for weeks on end. You know what I mean? But, you know, just stuck in your own mind yeah. and, and to come out and sort of, I don't know, it's almost like she's using it for entertainment as well. You know what I mean? You know, she's almost enjoying it as well. Isn't well, she? yeah, that's it. And Taika Waititi says, doesn't he, in the documentary that he told her, Right, play this like you was a popular girl in school. Yeah. And now you're resentful of the fact that you're living this life having to hide. So she's instantly the cool girl when she's with uh, little Jojo. And um, it's not gone for the sympathy card with her, has it? It's No. Even though it does, it obviously plays on your emotions. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Tyker explains it as like being a metaphor for the fact that we should all be more tolerant and accepting of others. Yeah. You know, not forgetting the atrocities of the past and about, you know, learning and moving forward. But it's, it's played out in a wonderful sort of comical way where this young lad's torn between his beliefs of these... And this is sketches in his book that he does because he tries to do this expose, doesn't he, on on the Jewish people? Yeah. And he thinks that ah, oh, this would be brilliant if I do this. You know, Hitler will, will will think that's great. He does these ridiculous sketches, doesn't he, in this book about Jews being controlled by and, the devil? And yeah, all. and he's asking her questions, isn't he? He's trying to get you know what makes her a Jew, and she just spills loads of sort of nonsense to him feeding his his own fears and anxieties and then but the, the, the problem is is the center of the film um you know is is the is the difficult part isn't it yeah as far as this film in any way gets to be it's the sensible part of the film where you see john joe have this these these difficult feelings towards his mother because his he can't confront his mother because he's scared of what might happen uh and because elsa is 
scared uh put the fear in him that he can't yeah uh so he has no one to talk to you know and he, he doesn't know how to deal with this the only person he's got to talk to is his imaginary friend hitler who's of absolutely no <laughs> use whatsoever he says he says maybe it's best to keep the jew in your walls because a jew behind your walls is better than two jews out there flying on their bat wings killing innocent nazis <laughs> <laughs> And there's there's one bit as well where they're sat either side of the kitchen hatch whilst his mum's out in the living room or whatever. And and isn't he got like a a Native American headdress on, which has absolutely (laughs) no explanation whatsoever. Whatsoever. And there's another scene where he's eating a a unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Having unicorn for tea. Yeah, that's it. Because he says it earlier, doesn't he? He says, oh, we're having unicorn for dinner tonight. There he is. And then flies out the window. (laughs) Bye. Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, it's brilliant. I, I, he really does um, make the film in a lot of ways, doesn't he? Old, uh, well, he did Tiger. actually make but the film. He, he quite literally made <laughs> did, the film. Yeah. So anyway, he's battling with this sort of situation, and he's almost angry at his mum, isn't he? And uh, yeah. there's that really harrowing scene where. Uh, his mum's like at wit's end with him. Yeah. And uh, yeah. she she unleashes a bit of fury at him and then doesn't know how to deal with it because... Oh, it's a great it's a great scene, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because I think Hitler's there at the table with them at first, isn't he? And then Jojo's like, starts shouting at his mother about how, you know, the war's going on and she's not doing her thing. She shouldn't be happy that the war's almost coming to an end. And Hitler's all awkward in the middle and he just sort of silently says... Oh, I'll leave and it just walks off but leaves this gap for this a really sort of pivotal scene where because his mother then you know he she says oh if he says if dad was here or yeah something, yeah yeah and then she's like you want your father do you and then what followed was so poignant and magical all at the same time it was just yeah it was a wonderful scene wasn't yeah, it? yeah and she just sort of blacks her chin up doesn't she puts a beard on and then yeah scorns him as the father she walks off and then she's like talking as the mother and the father to herself having a conversation and then she comes back apologizing as the dad it's just really great and it sort of it just shows you what her character is just resourceful resourceful she's yeah. just trying to communicate with a son and just sort of break down a barrier almost isn't she you know what i mean and uh the end of that scene where jojo gets up on the chair and they're sort of dancing together it was just brilliant it's heartwarming. It's one of many heartwarming moments. It's just that relationship that they have is just... And as the film goes on, there's lots of relationships within this community. You know, even when Jojo goes to the swimming pool and he meets up with Captain K and sort of asking him about Jews and Captain K's there teaching all the kids how to swim in their uniforms. <laughs> But then he just gets into this conversation with Jojo. And you start to sense then that there's something else. There's something more to that relationship. He's He likes Jojo, doesn't he? Yeah. And when Jojo's like, oh, what about the Jew? He's like, oh, are you still going on about this? It's like he isn't interested, isn't yeah. it? Um, that- and as the film goes on, that relationship grows. And you you see more and more that there's this family tie there somehow, isn't it? Yeah. But the, that swimming pool scene, just the introduction to it, where, there, <laughs> where Hitler's 
underwater and he's almost like repulsed by all the people with missing limbs swimming in the pool and stuff and he's just like in that ridiculous swimming costume yeah. as well he's disgusted by all these people with missing limbs but they've all got missing limbs because of him yeah exactly and it's like something he says earlier on isn't it where like oh people will say these horrible things you know they say i'm i'm crazy they think i'm an insane person and i'm gonna get them all killed <laughs> 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 But yeah, then the end of that scene, then Sam Rockwell, he says to Jojo, oh, someone should write a book. That's where Jojo gets the idea of writing a book yeah. about how to recognise a Jew. You know, how would you recognise? Oh, God, I wish I knew, he says. Yeah, like, you know? if only someone written a book on it, it'd be a bestseller. And it's all just flippancy, isn't it? Yeah. But then he turns around and all his pupils <laughs> are drowning. <laughs> Because he's took his eye off him for ages, like, oh shit. You know what? I really liked Sam Rockwell in this. I just thought he was he was great. He is just brilliant. And he, every time you meet him, you learn a little bit more about him. And then when you've got the Stephen Merchant scene and he comes in there, I mean, it's that Stephen Merchant scene's one. <laughs> what great <laughs> casting for Stephen Merchant, to be, to be honest, isn't he, in that role? He does have that sort of aryan german look about him doesn't he yeah got that big rugged jaw and uh dressed in the gestapo uniform and he's towers above everyone because he's a huge bloke anyway yeah it was like a cross between the villain out of raiders of lost ark and the like the the preacher ghost that comes around in poltergeist too as it <laughs> reminded me but of. Th- this this scene was a proper laugh out loud scene for me yeah the the oh my god the oh all the hell hitlers hitler. <laughs> <laughs> every single one of them how hitler how hitler how hitler backwards and forwards and then sam rockwell you know they've turned up to jojo's house to basically search the house yeah so uh, and just moments before this we've seen jojo witnesses mother laying down a free germany sticker or something yeah 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 so you know that you know shit they're on onto this and also the the young girl has just been you know joe by this time jojo and the girl are sort of becoming a bit more friendly yeah they're hanging out almost aren't they yeah that's right she's out actually in the house she's just had a bath and everything yeah 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 and then the knock on the door and he's like, hide. And she runs upstairs. It's the Gestapo on the door. So Stephen Merchant that come in. Yeah, they do all the heil. And then Sam Rockwell and his little mate turn up. His little mate actually is um, Alfie Allen, isn't Finkel. it? He's famous from uh, Game of Thrones. Lily Allen's brother. Right, okay. Yeah, and Keith Allen is their dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they turn up. And it's, again, you get the sense that he's there to watch over Jojo, don't you? It's like you've yeah, seen it happening and yeah, he, turned, turned up, up at the right time. Yeah, like he was desperate to get over there, wasn't he? Like Carrying the I mean? bike and, oh, we've just come to give him more conscription posters to hand out. He works for me. Yeah, it's, which is a really flawed and weak excuse, like, you know, but it's just yeah. like, right, okay, he's here. And then, oh my God, they go for all the Heil Hitlers again, <laughs> don't they? Twice. For both of them, isn't it? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, what are you guys doing here? Oh, well, you know, uh, we were just Heil Hitler and the boy, and then you turned up to so we were Heil Hitler and you and your friend. And it's just like, what the fuck? Stop saying it. It's one of those scenes where it's tense as hell, but funny at the same time. And then the little girl turns up, and you can see that everyone like turns to look, and she's like, claims to be the sister. Yeah. And obviously Sam Rockwell 
you can tell on his face that he he realizes something. Yeah, and it, again, not right. this is where you think the you know how much of a tie does he have, or how much does he know about yeah. the family? There's some relationship there, isn't there? Yeah, because he's sort of like taken aback when he sees her there, but he doesn't say anything. And then the Gestapo ask her for, to get her papers, and she gives them to Sam Rockwell. He he goes, he steps up ahead of her, doesn't he, and takes them yeah. off her. To, to inspect them and then what's your date of birth asking all the right questions she says you know first of may it's not until later on you realize that she got the date wrong she said the wrong date and then Stephen merchant as he comes over you can see that sam rockwell tries to give him the papers yeah but, but very it's, slowly it, and instead he leans in for the uh you who jew book <laughs> expose <which is> just... <laughs> which is just ridiculous and they're all stood around going, oh look the funny Joe has the has the wings and the, the horns on his head, and then <laughs> when he finds all the pages about um, yeah, Elsa's, Elsa's boyfriend, Nathan. boyfriend, and he's like, "Oh, look at all the two face to kill Nathan!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, there he is in a cannon. <laughs> it's just it works. They get out of them, and then Jojo's like, "You can pretend to be my sister now," and she's like, "I could never pretend." So you sort of see Jojo now; he's having this change of heart and. And then he goes back out doing his job. And this is where the film, it just steps up in emotion from this point on. The end act of the film sort of starts here. And it's really well set up throughout the film. You see his mum teaching him how to do his shoelaces. Several times it focuses on her, his shoes and it focuses on her shoes. At the swimming pool, she stood up on the ledge and you see her shoes first. Yeah. Really recognisable shoes and then she's dancing on the wall next to him and he's watching her feet dance um and then as he's walking through the street and he's chasing the butterfly and then it's just a really just heartbreaking reveal and he stands up and then he stood next to the hanging shoes you know in the street and it's his mother's shoes hanging with the the label that he's seen her sticking out yeah you know when you see that you you wasn't expecting it, I don't the think. The thing is, the scene where Sam Rockwell turns up at the house and the Gestapo are there, you're torn between two things, right? Yeah, you know something's up, Has Jojo asking all these questions about Jews aroused someone's suspicion and are they there to search for a Jew? Or because you've not long seen that Jojo's mum is sticking these free Germany flyers everywhere like whilst no one's watching you know has someone come for that reason and then when sam rockwell turned up did he turn up because he knew that um jojo's mum had been found and that this was going on but you know couldn't say anything because the gestapo were there i don't know but at no point did i jump to the conclusion that rosie was gonna have been found out and killed and then it's just like just as you think you can relax because they've got away from this really tense scene where the Gestapo are ferreting around his house and then boom, slap in the face. Oh yeah, your mum's been killed. It's a real shock. It is a real shock. And now he's much like the girl in his, you know, they, they, they've all they've got is each other now, isn't it? Well, he's got Hitler. Yeah. But. And I think as well, I think like where he's chasing the butterfly, I think it's one of the first scenes where he's not in his Hitler youth uniform. Yeah. And he's a child again. Yeah, yeah. It's a, chasing a butterfly. Exactly. And you're just like, you know, you've got this beautiful 
lead up and these vibrant colors and this reveal of like oh you know you can relax he's learning he's being persuaded he's he's easing up he's being more tolerant of other people he's not going to be a fucking nazi and then all of a sudden oh yeah your mum's dead they've loaded everything into that scene that they can to make it as much of a, a yeah. heartfelt shock as possible haven't they? yeah and it was it was a real choker after the scene where you discover about uh jojo's mum like it becomes really apparent that invasion of germany by the allied forces is well underway yeah and sam rockwell is preparing oh my god uh, <laughs> his uniform no 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 not his uniform no. like one of my favorite scenes in the whole film is when he's losing his shit with um finkel because uh, he's bought <laughs> the a, german shepherd a load of german shepherds <laughs> I, I meant the dogs, not farmers. <laughs> you got like these German men with like fleeced waistcoats and like flat caps and pipes and stuff. And it's just like, what? And it's such an obvious joke as well. And it's just like, oh, it's brilliant. I'm so glad that they shoe on it. Yeah, so he's shouting at Finkel, isn't he? And then he's like, oh, I'm so sorry I shouted at you. And they sort of share this moment, don't they? They don't do anything subtly. And in the next scene, he's... Hey Jojo, come and look at my uniform. <laughs> this is what I'm gonna wear for when like the final battle. And he's redesigned his uniform. And he's got like a, a pink cape. Yeah, and there's and massive plume feathers, of feathers in his hat. For, yeah, for aerodynamics <laughs> and, and these yeah. rind studs to dazzle the enemy. And the the, 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 the speaker on his on his gun that sort of plays yeah. shocking music or whatever is just so flamboyant. But the thing is, is when they reveal uh, his sexual orientation, it sends a shockwave through you as a viewer about why he's so empathetic, yeah. which is something that you don't expect from him at the start, do you? No. He's dealing with his own issues with Nazi Germany. Yeah. He's fighting for his yeah. own freedoms uh, in a way, isn't he? He's got that sort of almost the same motherly instinct as well, hasn't he? Over Jojo, you get that. Yeah. And you think that... You've got him and Rebel Wilson almost always in the scenes together, aren't they? And her character is more treading the Nazi line than he is. Yeah, she's throughout she, it, her it? character's almost how you'd expect Captain Klensendorf to be. Yeah. And um, yeah, she's very pro-Nazi Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Once it's all going tits up and it's all the, you know, the, the city is being sacked, you've got the elderly... You've got women and children all taken to the yeah. front lines. And that's that's what triggered my memory of skipping back is because you actually see the German shepherds all with their guns charging towards the enemy, don't you? <laughs> yeah. You see Captain Klensendorf, Sam Rockwell turn up in his gay regalia, yeah. exactly as he'd drawn he's it. He's got eyeliner on as well, hasn't he? He's <laughs> all sort of made up for it. And, and he's stood in, like, he's on that real prominent stone, like raised up, yeah. isn't he? Like how, you, how you'd expect him to be posing if someone was painting his portrait. And then um, Finkel is like sort of right behind him as well, isn't he? And then they're just with this machine gun, just letting rip into the enemy. Oh, that's and then we've met Yorkie again in these battle scenes, but because there's a gap where you don't see Yorkie much. But then you see him, the first time you see him again, he's in that like paper-like uniform. <laughs> and it almost looks like corrugated cardboard, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, you've got a uniform now. And he's like, well, it's paper. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, 
But then when you see Yorkie in battle and him and another little boy are carrying that missile launcher and <laughs> he sees Jojo and he's like, drops the launcher, Jojo! And as he drops it, it sets it off and blows up a shop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think even at that point, he doesn't realise sort of what he's involved in, does he? No, no, you know, no. By this time, Jojo's sort of wise to the fact that, you know, this is all wrong. Whereas uh, Yorkie is still like, excited to be in this battle doesn't doesn't realize the consequences of it does he it's like it's like he's always still playing yeah but it's not until the end and the aftermath that he says oh i want to go home to my mum i think i need a cuddle <laughs> it's just you know they are just children but there's it's a that real uh, and they make a joke about it but it's a real horrifying sort of moment isn't it where um Rebel Wilson's character, Fräulein Ram, she like tucks that grenade in the back of that kid's belt, and then she's like, "Oh, go, go, oh, hug that American yeah. over there," and it's just like, and then she's like giving him guns and sending him off around the corner, and it's just balanced by the harrowing scenes of kids stood there in, in the firefight, sort of not really knowing how to hold a gun or a rifle, and, and that sudden realization on their face that this is actually horrific. And they learn that Hitler killed himself. Does it, is it Yorkie? It's Yorkie. Yorkie that tells him, isn't it? Yeah, that yeah. Hitler killed himself. So the next time you see Hitler when he comes to Jojo, he's got the hole in his head, isn't he? And it's all like trickling blood out the side of his head. Yeah. And uh, he gives jojo one more lecture like you know come on and uh jojo just says fuck off it <laughs> kicks him out the window it's just a great end um just brilliant good good way to get rid of hitler yeah just kick him in the nuts out the window jojo's it by this point rebel wilson's put the uniform back on him hasn't she yeah she's put the jacket on him yeah 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 and she's sending him out then he's rounded up by the Americans and thrown in with all the other prisoners. Yeah. And yeah. he goes and finds Sam Rockwell. Oh, this this scene chokes me it, up. This is the, the moment you really realise that he's looking out for this kid and he just strips the uniform off him. So you can tell that Sam Rockwell like knows what he's got to do and it's so noble and it's so selfless. Uh, but I think sort of he knows that his time's done anyway, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so he strips the jacket off of jojo just in a real quick instant doesn't he and then pushes him away and goes get away from me jew and then spits at him he's like i don't know this boy i've never seen him before in my life they just basically just get jojo out of it and jojo just run away knowing what's going to happen and then you hear the gunshots didn't you yeah but yeah it really echoes the fact that you know war is just it's just a waste of life isn't it and it doesn't matter what side you're on there's good guys on both sides there's bad guys on both sides you know it's War isn't black and white, is it? It's just ideologies and people get swept up in it. And then you've got characters like Sam Rockwell who don't want to be there. Characters like Rosie who are trying to do the right thing. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's that don't judge a book by a cover kind of thing, isn't it? You know, uh, everybody has their own battle that they're fighting, their own backstory, you know. And um, don't be so quick to judge. And don't be so harsh to judge. But... um. The war is over. The Americans are here and the little girl's still in his cupboard and he's, you know, it's that moment where he thinks if I let her go, she's going to leave me, isn't it? You know, and he, he lies to her and he tells her that it's not over and it's it's selfish, isn't it? It is selfish, but at the same way, you kind of sympathise with him because you know... Oh, you completely sympathise with him. He doesn't have anyone else. And he knows he's being selfish because then he goes away and he can't, 
live with it, can he? So he writes that letter from Nathan again. He keeps writing these letters as her boyfriend, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, that's how he, he gets into her or she gets into his heart initially, isn't it? He writes this letter being urged on by Hitler. Oh, this is brilliant. Write this letter as the boyfriend, dump her and tell her he never loved her. And yeah. and you see it just really breaks her heart. And you see it breaks his heart to see that. And minutes later, he's back with another letter, sort of apologising for the last letter. Yeah. And <laughs> trying to but make yeah, it so not... He, he sort of, he's got that letter from Nathan to her. And uh, then he's like, well, me and fake Nathan have a plan to get you out of here. And uh, he gets her all dressed up and sort of ready to go outside. She steps outside, which you imagine to be the first time during the day in oh, plain yeah, dress yeah. for some and time. She's... And she's sort of a bit bewildered. And then she sees that American Jeep charging down the street. And then she suddenly realises, and he's he's hung back to let her sort of realise and to let it all sink in. Yeah. And then she just slaps him across the face, doesn't she? Well, yeah, she would. You know, he's kept the truth from her. Yeah. But you completely understand it. He's on his own if she goes. Yeah. And, you know, they said earlier in the film, he said, what would you do if if you leave here? And then this is where she's, he says it again, doesn't he? What would you do? And then she starts to dance. And, I've, I've, and then just that end of just those two dancing in the street, two heroes, Bowie's heroes, in German, just a, a great ending to the to a great film. I think this should be on the curriculum, you know. Yeah, because it's lightheartedly deals with the war, but in such a way that you realise the atrocity. Yeah, but there's so much sort of humanity and warmth throughout the film. I think it hits all the key points without being unnecessarily. Um in your face with, with all the real hard truths about it. And funnily enough, the book that it's based on is a dramatic book. Oh, that Caging Skies. So I always, I'd like to read that now and just see, you know, quite the difference in the tone, you know, because you can under, you could see this as a dramatic story. Wasn't it a book his mum was reading that she was telling him about? Yeah, she recommended it to him. And he said that he couldn't, he can't do it unless it's in his tone. Yeah, it's like I was saying earlier about him doing um for Ragnarok. He's there's no other directors who've done a like one of the Marvel films that you watch and you think, oh, you can see this is their film. Yeah, yeah. Whereas for Ragnarok feels completely like his work, yeah, doesn't it? It does. It is brilliant. Did enjoy it, mate. And I'm glad you enjoyed it too. I tell you this. Tell me. I am probably going to watch this again this week. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think when you come back and ask me next week if you watched any films this week, I'm probably going to be like, yeah, I'll watch Jojo Rabbit again. <laughs> Twice. Um, so, Nathan. Trevor. Thanks ever so much for joining me. Thank you. And I look forward to speaking to you again next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Should, should we talk about another movie? Yeah, I'm putting a ball in your court this week. and I. Oh, God. And then, anyone listening, we're going to give you lot a choice of film soon. So I'm going to put up a post for you lot to recommend to us, and we will choose one and uh, go from there, won't we, Nathan? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're good like that. But for now, thanks everyone for listening, and me and Nathan will be back next week. Same time. Cheers! Cheers! Cheers!